All right. Shall we get started? I think we should get started. Do you want to kick uh, it off? Well, yeah, actually, just um, talking to a few of you, we found that a lot of people were interested in podcasting and not just uh, doing it for fun, but for money, and how do you go about it, and uh, we thought it would be cool. Actually, I mentioned, let's do this next year, and Nicole says, let's do this today, <laughs> hey. which is how she does things. So uh, Get it done. So this is awesome. A great turnout for such yeah, late notice. Thank you. And ultimately, clearly, we don't have anything planned, but um, I think between the four of us... Yeah, it's got the little stopper deal. I think it's because the door's locked on the Well, each one of us kind of have our own experiences and stories, and one thing that you'll probably find on your journey is that there is not a one-size-fits-all to this. there's, There's no formula, really. And... You have to do what's right for your lifestyle. Some people derive happiness in money. Some people derive it in fame, uh, recognition. So it just it really does depend on what your goals are and what you want to do with your content and how you kind of make your your end goal, whatever that may be. So Stephen, he currently, I mean, he's the one you're. Well, maybe we should introduce yeah, ourselves. Yeah, let's go first. ahead. Go ahead. I'm Stephen Schleicher. I run Majorspoilers.com. We have a number of podcasts in our group. We have seven podcasts. We have basically one new podcast each day of the week. Uh, we also have a website, several websites actually. Uh, Major Spoilers, Minor Spoilers, and then um, we have a, a members-only site that we'll talk about in just a little bit. Uh, but we, I've been doing this for seven years now as a sole proprietor. And just last week on our seventh uh, birthday, I uh, finally got our LLC confirmation, so now we're Major Spoilers Entertainment LLC. And there are a number of reasons why I decided to do it. Um, really, the biggest reason was to separate my personal money from company money and also to protect myself and, and really my personal assets should something happen. So that's kind of how I came about forming a company in, in that way. Uh, I'm Mark Spagnolo. I have a website called The Wood Whisperer, and I do woodworking videos. I teach people how to make projects and build stuff with their hands, which to a lot of uh, geek-minded people, that's actually very appealing because uh, I know a lot of you probably work with uh, virtual things all day, so it's nice to come home and make something tangible with your hands. So it tends to be, uh, although a lot of my uh, viewers are, are a little bit older, typical older white male, uh, we find that we actually do bring in a, a younger demographic just by having a different attitude to, to the things that we do. Um, and it's a lot this old house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and you got a goofball like me in front of the camera, so that's always fun. Yeah. Uh, and we, we really did start it as an experiment. It wasn't something that I ever thought I was going to make any money from. Uh, I was w- woodworking professionally at that point, and prior to that, my career was in biotech. Um, so a molecular biology degree doesn't do a whole lot for you as a woodworker, um, but hopefully my college experience and just the general, you know, broadening your awareness of how to deal with people and things like that did help. Uh, so then the podcast thing just took off. We've well, we, been doing this since. We should what? say we started doing the podcast kind of as a way to educate our customers. Yeah, that's true. Custom furniture, um, because not everyone understands. What custom furniture really is, and they think, and oh, it's to going to be cheaper, so but it's just the exact opposite. So, yeah. so we really started that as a way to kind of it's more your pricing structure, though. Really, that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But and and then it turned into wow, people are really responding to these videos, and we we were flexible, so we kind of. Well, and it, turned, it turned out that you could you could make a lot more money teaching someone how to woodwork than you can by building them furniture. Um, and I've had discussions with people here this weekend about the things that they do and whether you're sort of training your competition in that sense by giving this great information out. And uh, and I don't really worry about that too much because the market for teaching people who are DIY, you know, in that sort of mindset, people who want to do is uh, far broader than trying to make something for them and then charge them for that. And you have a world audience. When we first started The Wood Whisperer, we were getting a lot of emails from uh, Europe, Russia, and saying, oh my goodness, there's nothing like this that I have access to because for, for us, woodworking is a trade. We don't have entertainment when it comes to woodworking. It's not a hobby. So it really, when, when we looked at, oh, should we have a TV show in the States? No, we want a world audience. So that kind of, that lends an interesting thing to, to, to it as you move forward with whatever you're working on. Right. So this is my wife, Hi, Nicole. I'm Nicole. <laughs> um, and just to kind of, to, to wrap it up so we can pass yeah. it to Terpster, um, I quit my job, what, in 2005 maybe? Yeah. 
Uh, so I've been doing this myself for a long time. And just this past April, Nicole was able to leave her, her corporate job, and now we both work for the company. Um, so uh, we're, we're doing okay enough to, to pay for insurance and uh, make sure our kid has food and that uh, <laughs> everyone has clothes yeah, well, that and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, so. And then there's this... British guy over here. So, um, you all know me as Terpster. Um, my actual name is Mark Turpin. Um, I am the CEO of Yogscast Limited. And he's serious, by the way. So, that's the thing. I, I don't do serious normally, so you'll have to excuse me. Um, and so, we are the UK's biggest YouTube channel. Uh, we uh, just celebrated 2 billion views on our main channel. We now employ around about 30 or so heads um, and have about 15 YouTube channels um, and collectively we are one of the biggest in the world now and that's all kind of video and YouTube so hopefully I can talk about that side of things and how that works. That's really growing. It's, it's, it's the next big thing or maybe it's the big thing and the next big thing's already started so if you know about what the next thing is do let me know. <laughs> that would help. That would be good. <laughs> so, so question, how many of you already have a website or a podcast or a YouTube channel? Okay, how many of you are making money off of that already? Okay, a couple of you. Good. You know, it's, it's, I think the thing that a lot of people don't think about when they first start is, I'm going to put my video up on YouTube, and it's going to get a million hits, and I'm going to start rolling in that, in that YouTube Google money, right? Mm. Is that how yeah, that's smart? definitely what, what we... Th- no. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously, our, our main channel is called Blues Ethos because when the guys set it up, they were playing a Drenai Death Knight called Blues Ethos um, because he had another character called Zephos and Drenai are blue. Um, and that then became, again, a channel with two billion views. And so we never really approached it with the idea of it actually being a business <laughs> or something where you can actually make money from it. Um, I think nowadays, obviously, it's a little bit more known that that could be something you could do. And obviously, if that's your intent, then you can think about brand and things like that up front. The great thing about YouTube is that getting partnered on YouTube used to be quite a hard thing to do. Now, it, the thresholds are very low. There's lots of networks that can help you get in straight away. Um, we're actually with a, a network called Maker Studios, who are the biggest independent network at the moment. Um, They have a mass sign-up tool called RPM, um, which allows any channel with um, uh, about a thousand or so uh, impressions a month um, to get signed up and to start making money from their videos. Um, From that, again, they start giving you the tools in terms of helping you know how to structure your content and how best to arrange it to maximise revenue and entertainment. Um, But ultimately, YouTube is probably the easiest way to make some money because there's AdSense built into the platform. All you need to do is get partnered and then get people to watch your content. Right, and ultimately in that space, it is very tricky for people who are just part of what initially seems like the the white noise, uh, what most of YouTube is. Mm. So unless you really do rise to a very small, maybe the top 10% uh, of videos, it's really hard to get an appreciable amount of money from that. So it's not to say that you shouldn't try, um, and, and that money will be, be supplemental. Yeah. I mean, to, to put it into context, um, Yogscast, we were going, it wasn't until, we started in 2008, um, in 2010, we got our first video that actually got on the front page of YouTube. From there, we had you know, great experience. Um, 2011, we got our first billion views, so it took four years to get to that first one. And then 2000, uh, sorry, 2012 even, sorry. Um, and then 2013, just recently, we hit our second billion. So the first billion took four years, the second billion just a year. Um, and it is a case momentum. of momentum and scale. Mm-hmm. Um, equally, again, we're very fortunate and we can highlight content. Um, so the people we work with, uh, we've now grown uh, four other channels to a million subscribers in a year. Um, and that's purely by, again, collaboration. And that's going to be key, is to use other forms to inform people about what you're doing, because just putting it out onto a platform isn't enough, because it will get lost. Yeah, whenever I started, it started initially as a website, and the idea was to take the concepts and ideas that I had learned in another industry and apply it to the comic book and pop culture industry, which I saw a lot of other people weren't doing. And very quickly, I saw that it was a model that worked. And there's a lot of ways that you can use analytics and you can do other things to uh, build an audience. But very quickly, I realized that if we're going to grow, we have to branch out. And so we started one podcast, 
that was doing very well. And then we started adding on additional podcasts. Our most popular podcast is the Critical Hit podcast. And I think some of you are familiar with that already. <laughs> um, and that by far is, again, we're building that worldwide audience. But you'd be surprised that, you know, when you think, you know, there's got to be millions of people listening and our show's ranked high in the iTunes directory, it's still not, it's still not, um, it's not, still not Adam Carolla numbers, if that's what you're looking at. You had a question over here? Yeah. Um, you're talking about broadcasting and having that community with um, mega studios. Is there any podcasting communities like that? that well, so well yeah, I mean, I mean, Maker would do the same. I mean, to be honest with you, even... The question, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so the question was, um, are there any kind of podcast-focused sort of networks to support you? Obviously, Frog Pants mm-hmm. is what mm-hmm. we're part of. And that basically, again, allows us to introduce new podcasts to a vast audience very quickly because it's a, a big splash then across all the other shows. They're saying, oh, yeah, Scott's doing this new podcast about, you know, mowing the grass, you know, <laughs> tune into Furby well, When you start grass. getting into the video realm, like, for instance, we just were, The Wood Whisperer has a YouTube channel. We have our own stuff on our, our, on our own website. But there is a whole audience within YouTube, and it, it's almost its own thing. Mm-hmm. And so there's a company called Digital Collective that approached us and said, hey, we want to partner with you for a year. We're, doing a, we're going to do a 70-30 split of the ad revenue, and we're going to support you and help you grow your audience. Mm-hmm. So if you're a one-man shop and you have no idea, YouTube's coming out with new things all the time. And it's hard you, to keep up it's with. It's hard to keep right. up with it. And there may be things that YouTube's doing that you could utilize to improve your numbers, to imp- improve your quality, to improve your subscribers. Those types of agencies, and you got to be careful and, mm-hmm. and evaluate them. Those types of uh, of agencies are, are really great for yeah. for building that. Like it's, it's, it's tricky because obviously what they're asking is for to take some of your money yeah. um, to for, make you more to money. make you more money. So in theory, whatever they're taking, they should be generating more so if it's 30% they should be growing your your audience by more than that mm-hmm. and so that that relationship is mutually beneficial and, and what Nicole said is really really important because I get flooded with people every day who are like hey we want to advertise on your website or your podcast and then I'm like okay well what what are you trying to offer right. me and they'll spill out a bunch of numbers and and I'm like okay so what's the catch well we want to put embedded links inside your stories or we want to put a big interstitial ad in the middle of a of a, uh, of a of a story that you have on your on your page, and I have to think about my audience mm-hmm. and what is going to, uh, for lack of a better word, piss off the audience because mm-hmm. that's you know they're the ones that are coming, they're the ones that are clicking, they're the ones that are ultimately sending those click throughs and, and and money's my way. So you have to be really really careful. And I bet I bet I get five a week and I reject about five a week. Yeah, and that's one thing that I'm really no, bad at is no. is really going in and saying. Yes, let's go ahead and try this. And some of the ones that I've tried in the past have just really backfired. Um, I I think the one that works kind of best for us right now is Audible when they jump in occasionally. Uh, But still, it's it's uh, you got to be real careful. You got to wear a lot of hats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and in the beginning, it's really tricky because what we do is very it's very close to the audience. Uh, We don't like to put ourselves on pedestals. We want to be with you guys we want to talk to you so it's very difficult when we put the sort of wedge of an advertiser between us and a lot of people do view that as a wedge so doing it too early in the process can be detrimental i can't tell you how many times i get emails from people who immediately are like i I just how do i get a sponsor and i'm like let me see your website and they're like well i'm still working on the website that's the wrong way to go about it this at least in our environment it really is you've got to have the passion to do this whether or not you make money if you truly do then guess what you will make money it's, it's all about scale and audience really and ultimately the, the key resource to your business will be your audience and so you less want to think about how can I get more sponsors and advertisers but think about how can I get more audience and how can I retain those because they will bring in once you get the numbers you will get the revenue and so you should always be thinking about what can I do with my content? How can I structure it? What do people like? What do they respond well to? How can we involve them? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, video's great. And again, like YouTube gives you all the analytics and it'll tell you, you know, like, you know, 30% of your audience is female and they're aged between this range. And that's great for an advertiser. But then equally, you can see on a video by video basis, you know, what was the engagement time? What was the watch time? Um, you know, did people switch off after 10 minutes and you did a 30 minute episode? Would you then be better off splitting those episodes into three, right. generating more content that's actually more digestible? Um, all of those sort of things need to be your focus. 
Um, I think then once you've got that, the rest will will come. Well, and, and honestly, we uh, even at this stage, we will find out way after the fact, like. Oh, we could have been doing this thing and we could have made this much more money <laughs> because we're so focused on making the content. Mm-hmm. And that may sound from a business perspective like, I mean, I guess if I had a staff of people where I had a guy or a girl um, looking at this stuff to... to that's supposed to be my job. Yeah, that's her job now, <laughs> is to close those gaps, find those things out earlier in the process so that we can implement them. Um, but I'm so focused on making content that sometimes I forget about the money because it's built into the process. And as long as I keep funneling great content out there, we have have all the little things connected and the money does do you have a partner i mean do you have someone helping you well as far as what as far as well i mean kind of like those big back-end decisions no no what i do is i will consult with other people who the other people of the major spoilers podcast matthew who's been with me forever rodrigo you know it's like let's throw this idea out there uh and see if that works and i'll bounce it around but i'll also bring forward the analytics, the uh, trends, and right. say, well, here's the reason why I'm justifying this. Right. Does this sound like this will work? Yeah. Yes. Same, you know, when we launched, uh, for those of you that were at Nerdtacular last year, uh, I played Munchkin for the very first time, and on the road trip back, I was like, you know, guys, I think, I, I wonder if we could do a podcast with just Munchkin in it. And I went back and I looked and I said, there is no Munchkin market anywhere except for what Steve Jackson Games is doing. Why don't we try this? And it's you know now our second most popular <laughs> podcast. And so that's kind of the approach that I take on these things. But no, I, in answer to your question, no, there's no one that's... Uh, uh, I don't have a Nicole mark to, to help me with all Sucks to be you. Let me ask one question real quick, and then we'll get to the couple of questions back here. Do you guys, when you started your companies, did you have a uh, aggressive growth strategy or slow growth strategy? Uh, or did you not even say that really we have a strategy, to be honest okay. with you? Yeah, <laughs> there isn't a manual you can go to that tells you how to do this. Yeah. And we are learning every day, and that's the thing, is that we try stuff. And that's, you've got to be experimental with what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, past that, again, I, I think the, the main thing we've always looked at is just content and audience and we are it's weird because we are the content creators and we're also then the sort of the publishers and the network as well you know it's different from tv where you've your your market your audience i guess is actually the network buyer who's commissioned your program Mm -hmm. and you've got to make something they like whereas we're going straight to you guys and trying to make something that you like Um, and that i think is just just means that yeah, we're a little bit more focused that way than less so than on the uh, sort of what strategies we can implement to yeah. kind of grow more. And, and I think the, the whole networking thing is huge for us mm-hmm. because even where we may give the impression like, okay, we're doing all right, we make our living from this, we might, we probably have our stuff together. Mm-hmm. The truth is, you know, the first hour that we spent when we saw each other this weekend was talking yeah. about business yes. and comparing notes. Yeah. And when we get together with Scott or we do, like, after Comic Dorks recordings, half the time we talk about membership sites and how do you uh, best serve your audience while also getting some revenue from them. So when, we're still figuring this stuff out, too. When we started in back in 2006, there was nothing. There were, there were no, you know, social media guru podcasts. I mean, there, there, people were trying to go forward with that. And now I, you, they're everywhere. And that is your, that's your challenge is to wade through the bullshit and find what's right for you. Because there, there are hundreds of people out there that have great information and they have great tips and they have all this, but it may not be right for you. Or they call it lightning in a bottle. Right, yeah. exactly. So um, there, I, I have a list of podcasts that I listen to and I cherry pick certain things. I don't take everything they say as gospel because they're, this is a new frontier. It's like the gold rush in my, you know, my opinion. So um, what may work for us may not work for you, and it's just a matter of let's try it out and that and being flexible and and I think having many one of the best pieces of business advice we got was from another woodworker. Um, he said, "I have as many balls in the air than I can possibly handle because if one ball drops, I still have three in the air, and that's how I run my business. And it truly becomes a business. So if this is a hobby for you." It's going to change, <laughs> and there, there's going to be a day that you go. I really don't want to do this, but I got to do it. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm sorry. No, no, if you have questions, sure. Go ahead with your question. Yeah, so my question was: um, Is the model for revenue generation always around um, ad revenue? No. Like, no. Or because uh, I was looking at Vimeo, just came out with interview videos. Mm-hmm. Like, um, do you guys look at a combination? 
I think Mark has the most interesting thing, which I think is what we're going to, and personally what I see a lot more um, content developers moving towards is a membership base. I mean, we sell merchandise, we we ask for donations, we have a subscription model. Amazon uh, Amazon links, I mean, those bring in bring in some monies. It's but one of the balls. Yeah, right? it's one of the many. I mean, if you're relying only on, like it's, like we said earlier, if you're only relying on the YouTube revenue, I don't think that that's where you should yeah. Unless you're young. I mean, well, no, but not to, then, like, unless you have two billion views. Well, no, yeah. well, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, well, that's just one channel. For example, we've seen CPMs over the past year have... Uh, almost halved on what they were the year before. They're improving now, um, but um, as partnership got opened out to more people, ad dollars got spread out amongst more people. Um, and as they're saying, you need to have multi areas to a business when it can support those. So merchandise, we do quite well out of. Um, parody songs, actually, we do really well out of. Um, and I mean, those are some of our kind of biggest videos, and then equally, people are. Are you recording you know, the songs? Um, I no, no, Aww. no. See, I, Again, I don't, I don't yeah. do anything in front of cameras <laughs> or anything like that. It's good. It's nice. Um, and so I think you know, definitely try things as many things as you can handle. As Nicole was saying, it's only going to be a net positive. Focusing in one area, you might see a slight on improvement. You know, on the whole. Um, well, you know, for that, but you're not going to see across the board better than having lots of different things. Well, and I, every time someone asks us to sort of break down um, the, the places we make our money from, it kind of makes me laugh because I imagine someone who studies traditional business would laugh at it because <laughs> it, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. But ultimately, we've, we do have ad sales where we actually physically, you know, we contact the advertiser or they contact us. So it's a direct relationship. Uh, we have AdSense revenue. We uh, tie that into Google where the, the money comes, or uh, YouTube where the money comes in there, uh, sort of as passive income just based on traffic. Uh, so then, in addition to that, uh, you can get involved in one of the partnership programs, uh, which will then hopefully increase your numbers. Uh, let's see. Sponsorships. Yeah, direct sponsorships. So if you're at the point where you want to have a deeper relationship with a particular advertiser to the point where you are comfortable calling them a sponsor and they're comfortable writing you a check, uh, that's actually the best way to do it if you can because that just cuts through a lot of crap. Um, that's another place. And then if you go to the way to the other end of, of the whole monetizing thing, that's the membership website. Um, so when we chop it up, we have so many oh affiliates. That's affiliates. the Amazon yeah. thing. So if you... If you have a good audience, you're constantly recommending products, not for monetary motivation, but because you truly believe in it. And it should products. be said, we didn't, all that stuff didn't happen on day one. No, right, right. It happened like. It's too much to take like, on at once, right? I mean, it's way too much. And over the years, I think there was at one point where we go, how did, what, what, what did this all happen? Yeah. <laughs> you just kind of go, oh crap, we got to migrate the server. Yeah. <laughs> and then we realize how much stuff you have. But, but it is a lot of, a lot of stuff yeah. to think okay, about. Yeah. We've got one that was. Oh, okay. Back. Been one of these two. A couple back. of rooms. Let's back. do this back first and then we'll jump okay. over to you, okay? Go ahead. My question is how do you protect your intellectual property since this is so new? Hmm. Do you register your idea with the Library of Congress, or do you register well, how to protect in, our intellectual that, property? As far as copyright goes, the minute you create something yeah. in the United States, it's automatically protected. Mm. So you don't have to worry about you know the old method of mail the script to yourself and, and make sure you have the. You don't have to do any of that. In in, in the creative arts, the minute the art is created, it's protected. Um, how do you? Trademark something that goes into a whole other level of, of lawyers that I don't even it want takes to deal with. Months and months, it's yes. horrible. And then you've got different terms and fields mm -hmm. in which it counts in. Um, but yeah, you don't have to worry about that yeah. for ages. No. Well, um, we, we did yeah. trademark our logo mm -hmm. and our name. Uh, that was just a matter of filing some paperwork. That wasn't that difficult. Mm -hmm. um, we did that. The thing with the trademark is a lot of these things are only as good as your ability to defend them. Mm -hmm. I don't have much ability to defend it, but fortunately no one's chasing the Wood Whisperer as a, <laughs> a name for something, so I don't have to worry I don't about see it too much. I don't entertainment I'm doing. <laughs> okay. So there's a new channel being launched on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. It's, kind of, well, it's got to be off YouTube. It's, uh, you know, I, I, have not, <laughs> I have not had anybody try to steal our content and use it. Yeah. I mean, and that may be... We have on YouTube videos and songs and stuff, but then there's tools that are available to you when you get partnered. There's something called Content ID, mm -hmm. um, and when you upload a video, you can claim it, mm -hmm. and that's what you have to do to monetize it. Mm -hmm. um, and by claiming it, you register that with YouTube's database, um, and it can just scan through um, any video when it's uploaded. If it matches a claimed video, it won't allow you to either upload it or monetize it or whatever. So you could say, for example, I don't mind people reposting my content, 
but I don't want them to be able to make money off it, or mm-hmm. I want the money they do make off it to be redirected to me, or I just don't want them to be able to post it at all. So you get the choices as a content creator on on that platform. YouTube makes it really easy. YouTube's good at that. Yeah. We've, we've uh, within a matter of minutes, have taken channels down. Mm. If they had multiple videos of ours, because they're just using it for spam purposes, within minutes, we can take them down, which is a lot of power for, you know, yeah. someone like scary, you have, yeah, you know? Yeah. But they do. If you are in good standing with them, they will respect your, your copyright claims. So, um, I'm very firmly entrenched in the, this is an extremely expensive hobby for me at the moment. Um, but, uh, so, you've all formed corporations to some degree. Uh, yeah, we're a corp. At what point did it go from, we're just going to do this, you know, it's us, to we need to form something to actually protect our interests. As you said, you just formed an LLC to be able to, this is not right. my money, and, this and is a corporation. Let me, let me just preface that by saying, I just formed it, meaning I am so busy that two years ago, I started the process, but because I'm just... So busy with other things, filling out this, filling out that, just got around the part. I mean, last year at Nerdtacular, we sat down and talked, and they're like, "You got to get your your stuff together." I'm like, "I know, I know, I know." In in April, when I talked to my accountant, she was like, "You got to get your stuff together." I said, "I know, I know, I know." Just finally, I said, "I have to do this." So is it is it, is it a as soon as possible thing, or is it a? It depends right on. It depends. I mean, it depends on what kind of legal protection you're looking for. Yeah. I mean, you have to remember that if you're a sole proprietor. And someone comes in and decides to sue you, you can lose your house, your car, everything. Any of your assets, yeah. Yeah, all of your assets can be gone. And then equally, I mean, for for us in terms of obviously having employees Mm -hmm. and um, um, having kind of, you know, it's more tax effective, particularly in the UK, uh, to pay yourself via dividends rather than uh, just normal revenue. Um, And so there's multiple reasons as to why you can and should do it. Um, As to when, I think that just depends on when you feel... Hang on, this is actually a business now. Yeah. Yeah. This well, is well, make sure you get a good accountant. <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely. Really Accountants are great. They'll give you advice about all sorts of business stuff. I was always advised to go for an accountant for the size of business you aspire to be yeah. because they will think about yeah. things that affect businesses of those size. If you think you just want to keep it small and happy, then the nice little boutique ones are great. If you want to be a big publishing mega house, then it's going to cost you more, but why well, not? That's, that's a, a huge point that kicked our asses for like three years straight before we realized the problem was the accountant. Mm -hmm. We don't know the numbers. We don't know all that, you know, that's not our job. Uh, And the accountant that we were going with was the same accountant that I went to when we were a sole proprietorship. And uh, we had so many tax bills. I mean, $22,000, $25,000 in taxes due at the end of the year. And the thing is, that's because you're making money. But if you're not paying money into the government... You're screwed at yeah. the end of the year, so you're really not making the money so you, you think you are. Quarterly? Uh, no, no. So we not, we haven't gone after sponsors or any right. Well, see, because I don't want to get screwed. So tax well, right, for right. me, for me, it was okay. Occasionally, here are people writing and developing content for the site, so I would take some of this money and pay them. Well, it was not enough to cause any kind of bump or, or raise in their um, yeah. income tax. So it really wasn't a big issue at that right. point. You, now you can, it is. Well, and you can gift someone yeah. thir- what? $1,200. Yeah, there's certain limitations. Yeah. I think it's $1,200. do not quote me on that. But I, but I think ultimately, if you're taking this seriously, this, is, this can be looked at like any other business model. And you can't start a business until you truly decide, I'm starting a business. So ASAP, if you're serious about it, would be my answer. Because the sooner you separate the business from you, as entities, the better off you're going to be. And that can be kind of, I don't know, what can we use? For me, it's kind of a, a problem because, and it may be with Mark, we have people who want to come and advertise for us, but I think it interferes with the content side. And so the business side of me wants to go, take it, take that money. But the creative side of me is like, no, that's really a conflict. It's, so it's a false economy. Because if yeah. you do something that pisses off your audience, they're going to go mm-hmm. elsewhere. And really, we're competing against free. Mm-hmm. We don't charge for our content. And so, yeah, we do. well, <laughs> but, and that's why membership's great because you lock people in, it's like yeah. free to play. Um, but the idea is, is that you have, to, you have to be doing better than someone else because I have no commitment to you past as good as you are. If you're not good or if you're doing stuff that annoys me, I'll find someone else. Mm-hmm. So you might make more money in the short term taking on a kind of corrosive sponsor, mm-hmm. but long term it's going to affect you. Well, there is a point that we realize that there's a money dial. 
And you could turn that money dial up if you want to by putting more ads on your site or taking on uh, sponsors and advertisers you don't truly like or, or believe in. And you can crank that dial up, but things will break at some point. So you're in control of that dial, but you have to have the, the overall sense of what your audience will tolerate. Well, and that's why I said at the very beginning, you have to decide how you measure success. So for us, it was more geared towards lifestyle um, and freeing up time, right. really. So, um, and that's kind of what our journey and how we, that was our focus. So, and my background is, I got a degree in business and marketing. So I was on, on that side when we first launched the business say, we need a press release, we need to contact companies. And Mark's like, where are you getting all this? I'm like, well, this is what I Apparently, I went to school for this, and now I'm remembering it all. <laughs> so if you don't have someone like that, there are services and sites out there that can help you. And you're not in it alone. It can feel overwhelming. So, Mark and Nicole, did you, when you did your corporation, did you sign her up as the... No, 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 no. <laughs> but for tax reasons, of course, you signed up the woman. Yeah, if, if I was... I would get... There like are grants certain, and stuff like that out there for women that run businesses or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, and, and the, the last thing I want to do is give the impression that we made the right decisions all the time. Um, <laughs> there were a lot of things where we were just learning our way. We're still learning our way. Um, we don't completely have our shit together. Um, so, so I mean, if you are doing I've something like... I've seen anyone in this industry who does. Right. Yeah. Because I don't think... That's the great thing about There's no one. There's <laughs> no one's done it or knows how to do it. And equally, what worked yesterday doesn't work today. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, you've just got to kind of keep on your toes, really. But, yeah, and there are benefits, as, as you're saying. If you have in the woman's name, there are small business grants and things that you can get that I would not be eligible for. Um, so but I'm still working full time. It for, was just for easier. Our corporation. Yeah, it was I mean, easier at the time, I think, for us to just say, this is my thing and this is your thing. Yeah. And then now it's, now it's now our it's thing. Now it's our thing. So, so did, just one more question. Did yeah, you, sure. Did you um, do up a business plan at all? <laughs> I have an outline. <laughs> my plan. He has a business and and that's that's well, kind of what my thing is now that I'm part of the business and I'm on payroll. I want to set goals for us, and I, I'm a very goal oriented person. I like to look at a, a calendar of a year and say, I would like for us to do this, this, and this, because especially if you're especially if you're on social media sites and you're on the internet and you're comparing yourself to other other podcasts, other people, you feel like you're doing nothing because everybody's doing something. And you just feel like you're running in sand. So if you know what your goal is for the year, then you can say, hey, I hit that milestone. Or, oh, I'm a month early. Maybe I could squeeze in a new episode on this topic. So you can kind of set yourself some reasonable goals and things like that. And that's really kind of what me coming into the business and helping Mark get that perspective has been about. Well, and that, and that sounds nice, but this is now seven years later. So yes. to answer your question, no. <laughs> the, the plan was to wake up in the morning and to get some shit online as fast as possible. <laughs> and that's really, honestly, this way. And that's why I think what's nice about this panel is we have some of this very small, medium-sized, Humongous. Two, 2 billion people Massive. on the website a day. Someone. Okay. Here? <laughs> Let's go over here. Uh, I got a non-business question. Um, last year, I reached out to the Giants uh, social media coordinator. And he graciously accepted an football or baseball. Baseball. Okay. Oh, yeah. So anyway, because uh, <laughs> quite honestly, Dills is very lazy with the podcast. I'm worse. That's the problem. Yeah. He is worse. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm, I am. I'm terrible. Absolutely terrible. But that's why I like it. You got to keep it different from work. Yeah, he just you know invited me on, and now he just pops in and I do Yeah. So I reached out to the uh, uh, social media coordinator, and he actually came on our show, the whole thing. What was really interesting is I just reached out and asked if we could get media credentials to start covering games. Mm-hmm. thinking we're tiny, but there's no way he's going to say that. And they said yes. They said yes. yes. Awesome. So now we're actually covering games in the press box. We went to media day and actually got to video interview and Buster Posey and all these guys. Right. Threw those up on YouTube, and they've just blown up. You, so that's, now, that's such a recent thing, though. Like oh, historically, no, historically, yeah, historically it's yeah. especially within in the sports. games industry. Well, yeah, in sports, yeah, in woodworking, like, we you know, did the same YouTube thing six years ago, and things like that. People had zero understanding yeah. of it. It's that cat video place, isn't it? Right. Um, and then you know, like uh, even E three last year, I was going up to people saying, you know, we're the biggest channel in the UK, we just hit a billion views, and they're still thinking 
but I've never heard of you. And you know, the, the industries themselves can be quite out of touch with new media. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why exactly what you did of reaching out and to the right person, the social media person, um, and then those sorts of things, you are a great thing for him. Well, he would turn to his people range. and be like, look right. at this great thing that strategy, I've yeah. you know, and, helped. And, and the cool thing is once you start making these kind of contacts and you're on a, I don't want to say more personal relationship because you do want to keep it professional, they'll start throwing you stuff and say, hey, have you guys thought about doing this? Because I've got a very good friend. I'd, I'd say we're really good friends uh, through a certain digital publisher. And he's always like, hey, why don't you do this? I think you guys would have good traction mm -hmm. with this. And I'm like, well, why? And he's like, well, just try it and see what happens. And we'll talk back and forth. And sure enough, he, he does it right. Or he's like, hey, maybe you should start planting the seeds for this story because we're going to do something in the future about but it. in the end it was your content right. that got you that mm -hmm. yes and it, exactly. that is I mean, your you resume you've been up for a couple of years yeah. and you know he's mm -hmm. like look you love kind of grassroots level stuff a mm -hmm. lot of major league baseball they don't do this and that's it's only newspapers and magazines mm -hmm. and everything. we're rubbing shoulders with the sports writers and they were the they were also nice guys. Too. See, and that's a fantastic strategy. I mean, definitely keep that in mind. Is is just having the balls to call someone or to or try to make that contact because, well, in in the very beginning, um, we made the decision early on that if we were going to take on advertisers, we were going to cold call some of these companies, old school woodworking companies that don't even know what a podcast is. So the first five minutes of that call is saying, "This is what a podcast is." Now, are you interested in giving this is us money? Two thousand seven. When you get the little sock puckets out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and so I, we, we yeah. well, we would we'd make that call, and the what marketing. we decided to do was early on that we weren't going to get money from these people. Now things have changed. Now people will know what podcasts are mostly uh, if you're talking to the right department. Um, but what we did was we decided to to take to take their ad into the show for no money. And the reason was we were with Fine Woodworking, which is the most, um, you know, the most read woodworking magazine that none of you have probably read. Um, but we said, you know what? We will say at the beginning of our show, sponsored by Fine Woodworking. Well, we didn't get any money for that. But you know what that did in the industry? It made everyone else go, oh, shit, look, Fine Woodworking is sponsoring these guys. They must be for real. Mm -hmm. So you talking to this guy, in a sense, legitimizes you in a way that you just showing up or bugging them every week oh, to let you into the game. so many new followers going, oh, these guys are actually sort of legitimate. Or not, but they think. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and as long as you perception keep, is reality. Yeah, and as long as you keep going out there and you're respectful and mm -hmm. and presenting yourselves and representing who you are with uh, you know, you're just good at what you do and you're respectful of the other people there, it's gonna be great for you. So really quick follow up, since you guys can say no. We're on a hiatus for uh, kids are hard, but I would love to have you guys on. Oh, oh yes. sure, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Kids are freaking hard. Kids are hard. Yes, they are. <laughs> we had a question up here. Yeah. Um, we uh, we started a podcast uh, last year. You know, we get about a couple hundred-ish uh, downloads per show, and all of this is really good information. But we don't know how. Like, I don't know how to grow our mm -hmm. listenership well, because we're. What are you doing to grow your listenership? Well, that's the thing. I don't know what to do. Cause Have you bought any advertising? No, so I mean, we just here's a here's a great site that you can go check out. It's a site called Project Wonderful. It's an uh, online ad aggregator, and what happens is um, a number of sites. Our site has it as well. You can bid on the ad, and so the more people that are bidding on that ad space, the higher the price goes. That's a good way to also break some additional revenues through Project Wonderful. It's probably the best kept secret as far as revenue. But here's the thing: you can go out and find a bunch of websites that are in your mm -hmm. interest space. I don't know what your podcast is. Let's say it's Space Aliens. Go out and find all the conspiracy sites that have project, that are subscribed to Project Wonderful, and you can spend less than $10 and get a month's worth of advertising on that site, and you'll see a significant increase just based on that. That's one thing you can do. Well, and, and touching on that, the collaboration of what would be free mm -hmm. is to find like-minded people who are also podcasters, preferably people who have a bigger audience than you do, um, and not too big compared to yours because a lot of times you're offer your proposition isn't valuable to them unless you guys are somewhere near each other um, but that's one thing that we did very early on was we would not hesitate to promote other people because we really thought they were good and they notice and they find out and then they listen to your podcast and they may mention it and really if you think about it, that's how frog pants works exactly. that's exactly how yeah we all met each other yeah, really exactly. through through that means of, of reaching out to other people and, going and into online forums is another one Mm -hmm. not, not spamming it with just listen to my podcast. Get the door now. It is 3.30. It was gone. Yeah. So if anyone does want to see the, the costume show, by all means, obviously, feel free. 
I'm happy to keep going and answer questions. Obviously, yeah, I, I would. I would also say a key part of this is is networking. But um, whatever you're doing your podcast on, I can guarantee there's conventions, there's Dragon Con, there's Comic Con, there's there's um, a New Media Expo, which is completely devoted on the business of podcasting. If you're serious about this and you want to be inspired, there in every January, the New Media Expo in Las Vegas. You will be inspired, and you will probably. I mean, we. That was where we met. And uh, there's a great book that I recommended to you um, by a rich dad, poor dad author called "What to Do Before You Quit Your Job" or something like that. And that's a great book. It will challenge you to go to some uncomfortable places about what you feel <laughs> about quitting your job because not everybody is built for being their own boss and and that reminds me of another thing not every podcast is built for growth i mean we talk about such super like hardcore niche topics and sometimes you know as much as i'd like to sit there and talk about some weird thing that we like to do well maybe we'll talk about that (laughs) you should come on my way it's a different wood whisper show i will say none of my podcasts lazily we don't make a dime. Yeah, That's so some fun for me. Uh, some topics are very they're harder than others yeah. to to get that sort of explosive uh, audience that you're looking for. Um, so it just kind of you know I don't want to put a downer on it because I don't I don't even know what your podcast is Comic about. Books. Comic books. Oh, yeah. Well, then that's a great topic. It is, and it's also this is this is a problem. So here's my advice: um, there are thousands of comic book podcasts out there. And so if you've already looked and searched and you know how many are out there, there's two things you can do. You can either try to emulate what somebody else is doing, which will probably fail because everyone will say you're just copycatting XYZ, or you can find a unique twist in that area that people haven't tapped into, or just simply do it better than than somebody else's. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, what are you guys covering in your podcast? We cover... General? Yeah, just like major news stories and, uh, you and know, what books we've read throughout right. the week. Or and, so, and that's what everybody else is doing, too. And that, and, well, and to be honest, you look at Comic Dorks, right. just came out. Right. If it wasn't with Scott Johnson in the Frog Pants Network featuring Scott Kurtz and this guy and then... And then, and then Scott. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't add a whole, whole lot to that. Um, but if it wasn't already in this environment that was, right. um, you know, where he has a built-in audience... I don't know that comic doors can yeah. necessarily. Right. I mean, it's, it's nuts. Like for, for us, we had someone who worked for uh, Future Publishing, which is you know a big company. They make you know PC Gamer, all the official titles, and these big websites. But on YouTube and even on the internet space, they're quite small. Um, and we had uh, someone who used to make videos for them. Um, the channel she worked on had I think thirty thousand subscribers. Um, she joined with us. We branded her Yogs Cast Kim. And within a month, she had over 120,000 subscribers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it literally is a case of, you know, find people to collaborate with. But people, you could make the best podcast in the world. If no one knows about it, it's right. not going to get heard. What so, is the name of your yeah, podcast? Because I want to subscribe. Uh, it's called The Comic Book Show. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, that works for, I guess, for search but I don't know. Is, is there another comic <laughs> there's book a, show? There's a, every, there's a lot of things that have comic book and show in them. Yeah. Um, you know, to be honest, some of the more successful ones that I see online are ones that focus on specific titles, creators, or companies. So there's a really good one called... Um, what is it called? It's something about Flash, Flash. Flash reads comics, and it's just this guy who's taken every single issue of the Flash from the Golden Age, oh, wow. all, and he's just every every episode he's reviewing a new issue and talking about what happened in the Flash. I know that there's X Men podcasts that are only devoted to the X Men. Um, you know, the the one area that you could really clean up in is if you looked at the small publishers. You know, don't look at DC, don't look at Marvel, don't look at Image, don't look at IDW. Look at Poop Office. <laughs> look at our look at our Kana. Look at you know look at the smaller publishers because you'll have a lot of traction with with those companies. To be honest, Joel, you had a question. Uh, less of a question, more of a, an expansion. Uh, both on what you, Nicole, and, and Stephen just said is that you know don't be afraid to focus on local. Right. And local. You go trying to get your stuff out there. I mean, in my little town of Halifax, which is small city wise, uh, you know there's two comic conventions. Dartmouth Comic Arts Convention, and then there's Halcon. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they're both growing. And I can walk to them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's zero yeah. expense. And you can take your podcast to a local zine fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and a uh, farmer's market, like stuff like that. And it can be encouraging to get more traction locally because 
uh, operating on a small scale, a lot of people I know in, in my region, they want to shop local downtown Halifax. Mm -hmm. They want to buy from local artists, from local musicians. They don't necessarily want to buy their Christmas gifts from Walmart and larger places like right. that. Uh, and then what you were saying, Stephen, about being so you know niche focused, I mean, God, there's knitting podcasts mm -hmm. on. Oh, yeah. Like, Wait. We have someone over here that makes yarn. Yes. Beautiful yarn. Yeah. And the, the niche is really great. If there's podcasts about like such niche things, then take comic books and focus on something really specific. Yeah. Yeah. And I know with, with Brian and I on, on Comics Coast to Coast, I mean we interview webcomic mm -hmm. artists that we haven't even heard of. Right. And they turn right. out to be amazing interviews and yeah. incredibly humble people that do funny, funny work. And I think that people probably tune into that show to discover and to find the mm -hmm. stuff that, that you know Jocelyn you know digs out of where she comes from. <laughs> but you know, like, don't be afraid to just find something that you and your co-hosts are passionate about and just like needle it. Yeah. Well, and don't be afraid. Yeah, don't be afraid to do it. And what's the worst that's going to happen? It doesn't go anywhere. All right, change it. You know, look what happens to television all the time. This show's not working. Let's change yeah. it and, and and retool it and bring it back next season for something else. So. There's there's a lot of opportunities in comic books that one of, find that special. Space. One of our good friends, uh, Izzy Hyman, who does Izzy Video, um, he he got his business plan from a guy uh, McAllister, um, Don McAllister. McAllister, who runs a, a, a Mac screencasting. And so he went and he, he has monetized and created a membership site. And so Izzy originally was giving out his videos on how to be a great uh, videographer. And so we were like, oh, we kind of like that. So we, you know, we use a, a piece of software called A Member, and that gives us a paywall. So there's a lot of ways that if you think about something you love, when you look to kind of how-to videos, if you just know a little bit more than the average public... They're looking for, for people that they can relate to, not necessarily a propeller head that's going to be all technical and everything like that. So if you, if you bring a spin to it, if you can bring um, it kind of down to the mass audience, it's right. better yeah, yeah. For, for a lot of people, and they're, yeah. they'll, they're willing to pay for that. I know she's been waiting for yeah. a long time. Okay. Okay. Let's do this and this over here. Yeah. So you and me. Okay. I just have two really quick ones. Number one, which microphone do you guys use? <laughs> the microphone? For, the second um, one is your press pass. Who do you affiliate in order to get a press pass, or is your own podcast enough? Yeah, you shouldn't need to press affiliate. You know, no. Again, yeah. the scale you're going to be, you'll get, you won't get anything. Um, you just contact you know, the you're PR usually, people, yeah, media. A, on there'll the be website. on websites, there'll be something. You obviously have to reach yeah. their criteria. Yeah. Um, so it's normally just viewership. Um, and and that's fine, really. Um, in terms of microphones, um, I personally, for, for podcasting, use a Samson, um, what's it, like a, a U01 yeah, yeah, yeah. or it's something It's a US, like USB mic. Yeah, yeah, it's a USB mic, so you don't need any extra sound card. I've got it on a boom arm, so I can put it out of the way when I'm not using it. Um, the actual setup we use for our own ones have you know firewire cards and mm -hmm. condenser mics, and it's all a bit much and expensive. Mm -hmm. To get started, this cost me about 100 bucks. Um, and it sounds great for for for, yeah, for, for most things for a beginner an SM58 with the the yeah, with uh, sure cells yeah. sure cells <laughs> one now that has a USB interface um, so the SM58 is a great one mm -hmm. I use an RE20 uh, which is an Electro Voice um, and it's a very expensive condenser microphone that we run through some processing gear uh, for critical hit we have headsets like you're going to find in the uh, in the press booth. Uh, at sports networks, I mean, they're headsets with with heavy duty microphones and everything. So it's just, I, I would not tell people to dump a lot of money into it. When I first started podcasting no. in 2005, it was a SM58, a little mixer that I picked up for like 80 bucks and ran that into a FireWire interface, and that's how we did it. We had, so. I had a Snowball because you could you too. could do snowball's Omni. Great, Snow, Snowball's great, yeah. especially if you're going to conferences. And again, and you, USB, group. cheap and cheerful, yeah. really. So. That keep it that until you get to a point where you feel that you need better quality. Yeah. You know. And I, I use a, a Heil PR40 for um, voiceover work, for live uh, broadcasts, and I guess for record. I don't know if anyone's interested, but for recording the um, uh, video, I've got a wireless Sony U blah 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 something. It's about 500 bucks, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's a lavalier wireless microphone that's fantastic. Now the difference between the RE20 uh, and the one that you use, they're, as far as frequency response, they're exactly the same. So it's just whether 
you want to spend the money on either one. Mm -hmm. So you had a second question? Yeah, well, no, um, the clarification on the press pass, because the type of podcast oh, okay. that I'd like okay. to do is I would have to have uh, the ID. Dig onto their, to the company's yeah. website or the, uh, if you're going to a convention, the convention always has press credential um, applications that, that you've yeah, got. Yeah, that, that'd you be different often. Yeah. It depends on the convention, but most ones we look at, there's sort of community yeah, press. it's always on the website. Fan press, you know, and press press. And it's very um, industry-dependent, too. Um, if yeah. a certain industry has been inundated with podcasters in the past and had bad experience, you may not be able to get a press pass. So it just depends on that industry. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, maybe it's changed, but I, I was an editor for my union paper, mm -hmm. and with that, I had a standing press pass. Yeah. Where if I wanted to go yeah. to anything, I right. could go. It's not that. It's end. not that way. Yeah, you need to be a bigger entity normally to have something like that. As a kind of single person, often it's just a case of applying directly and it's going to be on a convention by convention basis. Well, for instance, something like BlizzCon. Yeah. What does it take? I so mean, BlizzCon, for example, Blizzard originally didn't really recognize podcasts. Um, we, we got, I think, back when I did WoW Radio, back in the day, we, we got, I think, one. Um, and so that was good. I had that one. Um, and uh, then, for example, more recently, E3, I had to kind of exploit contacts I had uh, from previous jobs um, to get a press pass, they didn't like YouTube. Um, yet, if you had a website with 10,000 visitors, that actually meant something to them versus uh, a YouTube channel with a billion views. Yeah. Um, some conferences so, will yeah. limit um, how many people from your company can go. Yeah. So we were, you know, San Diego Comic Con has a limit of how many people that they will allow in from the press. And so this year was the first year we actually got one of our writers in, and it was a longer process than what it's taken for me getting into other conventions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just depends. Yeah. Question over here. All right, this is going more towards Mark. Um, I, my podcasting is going to be more leather. We just started. It's leather crafting. Okay. And so it's uh, literally there is not another podcast out there right now. Oh, that's awesome. And so being a woodworker in the more traditional style of woodworking, I'm trying to figure out, you know, I know that you have an audio one that you're a part of. Mm -hmm. Listen to it all the time. And, the, uh, and then the video one. How do you really get the thought process on going with an audio version? Because I want to do both. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. He didn't do both in the beginning, though. Right. Okay. He, he started off just doing the video, and it wasn't until he formed relationship with Matt right. that, yeah, you guys, that you guys yeah. created the audio. And that, that's where it different as well, yeah. though. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Is I think when you're doing, like, if you're doing, like, a how-to... That's only going to really work you in a video. video yeah. If you're doing more about like the industry at large or like just tools and tips and stuff, to be honest with you, I, I'd, I'd still think focus on video for start. Mm -hmm. It's going to be easier and it's going to be more useful to your audience. Yeah, and I looking back on what we do with the audio, it's always been a side project. It's never been something that we took very seriously until recently. We've never gotten any money for it at all. Um, because it is hard to, to do that. So we cover industry news, we talk about what we're working on, but you have to have the hosts that can animate it in a way for, for right. people who can't see what you're talking about. Um, and we've just, I guess I don't even think about it anymore, but it is something that's a little bit hard to convey sometimes. So as long as you have the right personalities there, it can be done. But for what you're talking about, I think the, the lion's share of your effort should probably be in video. Yeah. Now, the other thing that you, were, you had talked about uh, originally on the... Uh, Right, right. Uh, you had talked about that you video everything. Yeah. Not everything. Everything. Every process. I don't think you vis You don't just have the camera running. Well, I don't know if any. I don't know how people interpreted that. I don't do every minute of my time in the shop. But I do every, every project. Process. Right. So I don't know if every every key part of the project is filmed, and then we bring it into Final Cut, and I chop it up, or he'll chop it up, and. You and do a lot of voiceover for that because I was just thinking, you know, yes. the, well, me for you know, a lot of times I'm pounding on leather, and so that's there's no real way to. to talk. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's gonna be, but it's gonna be more concise if you do it afterwards anyway. Yeah. Really, what you want to make sure is you're showing how to do it, and then while I'm watching that, you're telling me how to do it, right. and that's gonna be enough. And then maybe again, if there's no one else doing it, that may be enough. If there's if there is someone doing it, maybe you're gonna do it different because. Yours is extreme, and you're using a chainsaw. So, <laughs> yeah, whatever the whatever the reason is, why I'm going to watch you. Like there's um, there's this really cool uh, video um, where they make swords 
from video games and movies. Mm-hmm. And so they, it's, it's a blacksmith, you know, hammer and out blade. Basically, everything's the same. Um, you know, each week, you know, you're still, you know, smelting something and then hammering in it. Um, but ultimately, um, I watch it because he's doing it about video game stuff and, right. you know, cool movies um, and it's swords. So I imagine another blacksmith doing something about horseshoes for me isn't going to be the same. Right. So just try and find out who you want your audience to be mm-hmm. and then right. cater for them. Well, and ultimately you want to respect the user's time. Mm-hmm. And if you're banging on a piece of leather 20 times, they only need to see it too. Right. So you have to choose which things are worth talking to the camera for. Because if you talk to the camera, you lengthen your video dramatically. If you voice over, you can move time quickly. But you have to have a nice amount of both. So an intro is a great place to talk to the camera. Maybe somewhere in the middle. If it's a point that you feel that you might be able to express by you know, speaking directly, punctuate it with that. But everything else in between, you can compress time with voiceovers much better. And when it's a repetitive task, you're doing your audience a favor. Short and sweet. Yeah. Cool. What kind of camera? Um, it's a Panasonic HMC150. It's on the about page of the cool. website. Too. Yeah, all my tech stuff is on the about page. I think that this is maybe a continuation of that question, but like I've had my business for about eight years now, and it's a level where um, we have to come across very professional. We have mm-hmm. a brand and everything, so I don't feel really comfortable coming out with a video podcast where it's just me talking to my camera, talking to my webcam. So I guess my hurdle is really that level of professional quality. Um, do you guys have any ideas or tips well. on how to? Develop all those yeah, production I mean, skills. I want to produce something that's. There's a couple. There's a lot of different ways. There are a lot of online videos that are very, very good that talk, walk you through these things. I teach at a university, so you can always look and take some continuing education classes or working that way. Um, the other thing is maybe you need to look at maybe hiring, hiring. a production company to come and do this. And you'd be surprised at, at yeah, how we discussed that yesterday, oh, and, okay. and it wasn't inexpensive at all. <laughs> For how long? For, For how a much? Set of 10 videos. For how long? Oh, okay. I think I think equally as well. Maybe it doesn't have to be directly aligned with your brand. Maybe you can do it as a separate entity, and that way you can be a little bit more personality driven and a bit more gonzo. Um, to be honest with you, uh, if you listen to, if you watched any of the early stuff on the Oldscast we did, it's terrible. Um, I think the the first video that was ever done has the N word in it in about three seconds in, um, and it's because they had like guild chat and stuff going on, yeah. and it's, it's obviously something that would never happen today. But that audience has grown with us. Um, our quality, the you know, it sounded like people were using you know potatoes to film it and toaster mics <laughs> to talk on it. But at the time, people accepted it, and as your audience demands more, you can grow and learn with it. But I would seriously say the worst thing is to spend too much time on it, because otherwise you'll never do it. The most important thing is to do it and keep doing it, have some regularity behind it, build an audience, um, and then as you get better, you'll get quicker, and then you'll be able to add in more elements. You'll be like, okay, well maybe I'll put some text on the lower third. Maybe actually it's going to animate in this time. That looks really cool. Uh, I've learned this new trick. I'm going to introduce that. And over time, you will look on your video you did, you know, this year to one two years ago, and you'll just you'll be amazed. Like right. how? Yeah. yeah, that's just great. practice makes perfect. I mean, one yeah. the other thing to keep in mind too is, oftentimes when you look at stuff that has what you think has a lot of high production quality, usually has a lot of people behind it. So yeah. Mark's stuff is really really great and wonderful, and it's just two people doing it. But if you look at maybe another network uh, that does stuff, and for example, I don't know if you've seen the, the Will Wheaton tabletop yeah. Uh, series. Yeah. Look at the credits. There's, there's 20, 30 people that are working. I would agree with that, but there's yeah. 20, 30 people making that show look like that show. Yeah. So, and they wanted it to look that way. Exactly. I think yeah. that if someone in here wants to do a board game show, you could do it with a locked-off camera. Mm-hmm. And as long as you do it in a, in a fun way and you edit it right, I think it could be as effective. Well, and, and just, sorry. Oh, no, no. Um, one quick tip I think that makes at least for my when I see a video that uh, to me says professional or non-professional audio is huge Mm. a crappy audio just immediately I don't care how good the video is I immediately want to turn the video off so even if you're visual intros they're like "Ah, yeah they use some kind of like they they turn through some automatic intro intros as well because if I click on a video I want to see a video I don't really want to see 30 seconds of you smiling just um, going oh yeah But make sure you get yourself a decent microphone and a camera, preferably that has a microphone input. And if you can get that good quality audio from the beginning, even if you don't have all the video stuff, like like Mm. Terpster was saying, that will come later. That alone will make you look at that video five years from now and not cringe. Because you go, okay, at least it sounds good, it sounds professional. And equally, we find, at least for the content we make, a lot of people 
put it on and then open up a new tab and they'll just be listening to it yep. and then they'll jump back in when something cool happens um, and so really we treat the edit as, as if we were editing, editing an audio podcast in this game um, so yeah one final question so, one yeah, we'll final take question, one more question and we'll you guys you said you had to swap out a server. What about that? As far as your, your hardware is concerned. So we we first you? started our website on a four dollar a month GoDaddy shared yep. website. Me too. Four bucks. Mm-hmm. Just had a Linux shared economy, and we went until they finally kicked us off. That's, that's too. Yeah. yeah. And we're which like, is a great because I was like, have, why is our website down? We're like, have too much tra- what do you mean we, we have, have too much traffic website how do we have too much traffic so, that doesn't happen <laughs> so we moved then to um, we moved to media temple media temple and we stayed on them for a few years yeah, and then last sense. and then last year we got ddosed somebody yeah. came in and ddosed our ass hard and we realized that we had to we could not be the IT management I couldn't manage we my needed own to find a, a company that had IT management, you know, network admins that could do what we needed them to do to, to, to keep our site up. Yeah, when we're in trouble, we needed help. So, yeah. so we now work with uh, Rackspace, which is very expensive, but they have tremendous service. So service. when I need something done, I need a server configuration changed or modified, or I'm adding a piece of software that requires a change, I just send off an email and it's yeah. done. I also pay about thirteen hundred bucks a month for hosting. Otherwise, uh, for, I mean, for getting started in terms of hosting, um, archive, internet archive, great yeah, for audio I, that's podcasts. where I put Lazy Exactly. I mean, yeah. you archive.org. Um, YouTube, obviously, for video. Um, you would be amazed at the cost of hosting your own video. Mm-hmm. Um, it can open other don't things do it. to you, but <laughs> I would say, again, until you need to, don't. Um, and again, the nice thing about a lot of those platforms is they have audiences on them. Yeah. Um, so don't forget, don't forget backup on your servers too. Make sure that that's in there because yeah. that's what happened to us. Is we went up to a server that didn't include a backup plan for whatever reason, and then in 2010 when we had a hard drive crash, people are like, "Where are all these pictures from your episodes?" Oh wow, well, they were lost in the crash. So definitely get yeah. something that has a, a dedicated backup. So. Okay. So we're we're gonna be here all day, yeah. and then we're staying till tomorrow too. Yeah. So if you do have questions, you know, find us. But we have to wrap it up. Thanks for thank you. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.